everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, this is a world global first for us this week uh, because we have not one, not two, not three, but four voices for you this week. So uh, if this sounds a little chaotic, uh, you should have heard it pre-edit. <laughs> Any, anyhow, so we have all three of our team members and a special guest who Rachel is going to introduce momentarily. But first of all, Graham, how are you, buddy? I am very well, thank you, Wade. Um, you should mention I'm doing uh, at least three of the voices this week. So I'm going to be doing <laughs> Rachel's voice. Hello, everybody. That's what Rachel sounds like. And also a mystery third voice. That'll be me, too. It's going to be very exciting. You're like our very own Frank Oz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's me, Frank Oz. Okay, moving swiftly on because there's clearly no sense to be had there. Rach, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, thank you, Aid. And uh, clearly, people won't be able to tell that this is actually Rachel. So I best just say this is now Rachel because they'll think that obviously Graham did such a good job of um, in, as an impression of me that people won't tell. <laughs> yes, it's 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 a sort of Monty Python meets the Muppets kind of thing, isn't it? But this is this is the real you. <laughs> This is the real me, absolutely. Excellent. All right, real you. Why don't you introduce our guest then? Okay, so uh, so this week we're going to be speaking to Carl Child from um, Shoot Film UK. Uh, Carl is somebody I came across probably about three or four years ago now. Um, it was at a an event that we were both at, uh, an art car booty in Blackpool. And um, basically we um, ended up chatting about analogue photography. And surprisingly, I'd taken Rosie along. So I was running her as a, a photo booth and uh, a sort of like um, photography stall at the time. And then went inside the, the Winter Gardens in in Blackpool and found uh, a store with lots of otherly look lo- sorry lots of other lovely analog photography on it so got chatting to the guy who ran it and that was Carl so um I got in touch recently and said actually it'd be really nice if we could have a little catch up and see what you've been up to and uh, in the meantime Carl's been very very busy so um maybe if you just want to say a little hello Carl and tell us a little bit about Shoot Film UK that'd be great Hi, uh, thank you. So, yeah, obviously I'm Carl and I run Shoot Film UK, which is basically a platform to promote and share the work of photographers from around the world. Um, so how, how long have you been running Shoot Film UK and where did you get the ideas to start it up? Well, it kind of it started in September, but the website before that was several other websites and it, was, it kind of took me a couple of years to discover what I wanted to do with the site and then I decided it was probably best for me to try and work on promoting other people and creating this community which I thought was a lack of Um, and originally the website was designed to purely promote UK film photographers uh, hence the domain name that I bought at the time so I wanted to connect people from London from you know Scotland England Ireland all over the all over the UK and have this one platform where people could come along and share their work, receive feedback, uh, tell people about exhibitions that they've got going on, ask questions about things they might not be sure about. Um, and it started off with just a couple of pages on a website. And over the last few months, it's kind of expanded and grown in such a way that I could have never really imagined. And now I have over 120 contributors that have all come from around the world. And I think it's been such an eye-opener to the possibilities of using things like the internet and Instagram and you know all these social media apps that are out there uh, whilst also dedicating it to everybody that shoots film Mm. Um, so I think it's sort of harnessed the power of being able to contact absolutely anybody in the world 
and I've introduced p- people from, you know, completely other sides of the world with other people. And I've seen with my own eyes the, the collaborations that are happening now because of Shoot Film. And it's something that I would have never really imagined at the time. So it's fantastic to see where it might go in the future. And I'm excited about that. So. Yeah, congratulations. It looks like a wonderful website. I mean, obviously, when we met, um, I think it was um, with it being three or four years ago, you were just sort of starting off on that journey. And I can see how, how much it's sort of changed, you know, since then. Um, so it's lovely to go back. And uh, and when Aid had a little look at it uh, for the first time, he was like, gosh, it's really colourful and bright. And, you know, you've got such a lot going on there, which is lovely. And actually, the funny thing is, when I um, uh, when I had a quick look recently, um, one of the shots, because you've got... As your sort of landing page, one of the shots on there is um, obviously a cup of tea and some nice impossible film um, uh, sitting there and some Polaroids, obviously, that you've shot. Um, And one of them, the one that's sitting under the cup of tea, I have pretty much that exact same shot hanging up in my kitchen (laughs) at the minute. Now, I don't know whether it is from the same place, but that was the one that I took was of the Lady Lever Art Gallery um, in uh, Port Sunlight. Um, And it was looking up... At the, at the ceiling and it's literally like the same kind of exactly the same kind of arc um so I don't know if you know where that one was can you can you remember absolutely yeah that was taken in the winter gardens in Blackpool no way um, <laughs> yeah yeah so um most of these Polaroids are on the homepage have come from um local areas and originally it started out you'll see through the featured artists and the contributors that the first few were from Blackpool mm. and as I started to release open calls and ask people to submit work to different themes I was hoping that people from England and you know in the UK would send me their work to be featured and that they'd be interested in that and then I started to receive images from people in Poland and Australia and and Russia and all these places and I thought wow these these people are actually finding my website and they're interested in being a part of it and I've sort of over the like say over the last few months this community has grown and um, as you mentioned, it, I try to keep the, the site quite colourful, but I also try to keep it quite basic as well so that people are, it can easily find their way around and, you know, not have to search for ages on different things. And I don't want it to be a, a place where you're kind of bombarded by advertisements all the time, like I know a lot of websites are these days. So it's kind of the simplicity of it is what I try and maintain, if you will. Yeah, no, that, that looks great. Um would you you mentioned briefly um, some of your open calls that you've been putting out? Um, would you be able to tell us a little bit about those? Uh, yeah. So the the first open call that I um, sent out was basically it was inspired. I was going through some of my old images and a series that I'd shot in China uh, using my Bronica, and at the time I'd been walking around a university campus in in Guangzhou, and seeing these people playing basketball and taking a few uh, portrait pictures and one of the images that because I was shooting on transparency film and one of the things that I forgot to do uh, was stop down the film slightly so it was overexposed and that kind of that that image even though it was overexposed it means so much to me I thought I wonder if other people have those images that you know we, we take these pictures and occasionally they don't turn out perfectly so we cast them aside and choose the ones that we think will work. Um, so I wanted to try and take the the imperfections that are usually ignored 
and create this project out of them. So I, I designed the first open call as the title of Overexposed. Mm. Um, and that was also open to the interpretation of the artist. So it didn't necessarily have to mean that the images were overexposed. Um, it could be something to do with, with the subject or the genre that they've shot the piece in. So um, again, the first open call, Overexposed, I sent it out to uh, F-Stop magazine and had people promote it for me as much as I, as I could, uh, not really knowing who would respond. And at first I had a few people interested and over time, you know, over the next few weeks, I ended up having 41 people from around the world submit their work to me, which then I kind of collected together and designed this 100, I think it's 170 page publication that I've then published online. Um, and as as kind of a, a starting point, I think that went quite well. So then the next idea that I had was to de to design a theme around the idea of home, which is something that I'm also interested in personally mm. um, and how we perceive home as an individual. So, um, again, I had like 35 people from around the world then share their work with me. Is that is that open call still open at the moment? Um, no, so the, the open calls run for usually around a month, which gives mm -hmm. people time. Um, a lot of people might not have work that fits the themes that I'm sort of have the open call open for. So it allows time for people who want to be involved to go out and shoot for that theme. Um, and it might just also act as a bit of inspiration for people then to, or an excuse, I suppose, for people to go out with their camera and take pictures. Sure. Um, so yeah, I kind of try to keep it open to as many people as possible and there aren't really any restrictions on formats either, apart from my last open call, which was purely for instant film. And that ended on the 1st of August, so I'm actually in the process now of putting together the next publication. Excellent. And I think you mentioned just before we um, started recording, actually, that you're um, in the process of putting up a new artist profile or something as well because you do you do feature particular artists don't you as well as a collection of their work yes yeah, so um, just to sort of focus in on with with the open calls it's a series of work from artists from all around the world so the artist features uh, choose and they select certain artists and I, I occasionally contact people whose work I discover and I'm interested in uh, to see if they'd be interested in an artist feature. The artist feature allows people to then promote their work or a, a certain body of work through that blog post then. Um, and I also ask them a series of questions, which are also very basic because, um, as I mentioned, I want, I want the website to be kind of a place where people from all different backgrounds can then come if they're interested in shooting film whether they're beginning whether they're professionals you know uh, anything in between that so um, the features really are there to let people know about processes uh, concepts behind projects and the one of the things I always find with people when you share images with them the the initial questions you receive are either where was that taken or what what equipment did you use to take that picture? Mm. Not so much about the image itself, but the process and the places and things. So, uh, for instance, one of the 
the questions I ask in the artist features is if you could have any camera in the world, what would it be? Now, I find that loads of people say the camera that I own, um, which is which is wonderful. But for those mm. people who are just starting out that are interested in the aesthetics of the images that they see in the, the feature, they might not necessarily know what equipment they've used. So it's nice for them to then share that with the people who are visiting the website. Gives them a better chance to understand the process and the aesthetic that you get from each specific camera. Is Absolutely, that what you, yes, yeah. yeah. Just really intrigued, Carl. Um, so I don't, I don't know much about your background um, before you started doing Shoot Film UK. Um, I know you've done some work teaching photography in the past and um, obviously various bits and pieces. Um, but I'm assuming that Shoot Film UK is the first time that you've set yourself up to accept other people's work like this. Is that right? It is, yes, yeah. How have you found the process of... Um, inviting people to submit work and then actually having to um, manage that, to edit it, to go through. Are you at a point at the moment where you've not had to say to somebody, no, your work's not suitable? Um, or is that something you've already crossed crossed that bridge? Or do you I mean, I, I'm guessing it's almost inevitable that if Shoot Film UK continues on the trajectory, that's a hard word, continues on the path that it's going down um, <laughs> and increasing in successfulness, that you're going to get more and more people who want to get their work published with you and inevitably you're going to have to start making decisions about what you put in and what you don't. Um, so have you had to deal with that and, and how's that been? And if you haven't, how do you think you're going to deal with it? Um, well, to be honest, it's something that I have had to think about in the past and it's something that is always on my mind when people submit work. Um, but I think really the aim of, of the website itself is to promote people who shoot film, not necessarily to be there as a judgmental platform that would say, I'm sorry, but your images aren't good enough, you know, or um, it's not something that we're looking for. It's more a celebration of being able to use analog photography um, no matter where you are in your, your process. So the the publications of the open calls invite people from uh, beginners to professionals to lecturers, you know, anybody can submit to that. And if their work fits the criteria that we request and they submit in a way that is acceptable, uh, meaning things like only submitting two images, not using zip files and all of the things that are on our submit page as guidelines, mm -hmm. um, then it's very likely that if they take the time to to read that and submit work that's suitable that then that will be accepted uh that's the artist cool. features are kind of they're more as a a way to pinpoint people who whose work i think will influence other people and maybe inspire them to create work similar to those um so there is a bit of curation that's involved more in the artist features and being able to select the people who are presented on that and then uh, featured and on those posts and like I say the, the publications are there to as, a, as more of a celebration now in in the future I one of the things that I'd like to see uh, with Shoot Film UK is um, more of sort of a, a paid competition where people can submit work for a small fee which would then allow me to then prize uh, give give prizes of uh, either um, you know, film or cash prizes that would then help them to continue to shoot film. That sounds so, great. So, yeah, it's it's really exciting to know where it might go in the future, really. 
I mean, the website, as has been said already, it's a really beautifully laid out, uh, very elegant website. It's really nicely done. Um, and you obviously put in a lot of work creating the website and with your featured artist um, things and with putting together the zines. Um, but this isn't your job. This is not how you're making your money. Um, how? Um, this is basically just my hobby. So, um, you know, I, I go to work like everybody else during the day and then I come home and shoot film UK is something I do to relax and unwind. Uh, most people will stick the TV on and watch a series or, you know, I, I'll go and sit in the kitchen with my laptop and I'll, I'll load the website builder and I'll contact people and I'll send emails to people I think might be interested in artist features. I'll think about things like the next open call theme um, and I'll go through a list of emails of people that have sent me their work to see uh, what can then be used to expand shoot film um, sort of as it goes. Can I ask a little bit about your, um, you mentioned about Home, which is obviously the one that you've just finished. Um, I was just wondering, can you tell us a little bit about that, um, you know, the background towards that? Because you said that that is something you hold very dear to yourself and it would be nice to know a little bit more about where that came from. Um, okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's kind of... Um kind of a, a close thing to me really is is the word home because it's something I don't really take for granted and uh, you know I've, I've moved around quite a lot and um, when I when I left university a few years ago I didn't actually have any anywhere to live and uh, I ended up house sitting and traveling around the UK looking after people's houses which meant I had accommodation and the time to work on my own projects whilst other people were then going on holiday so I would live in their houses, look after their pets and kind of live their lives in a, in a sense. Mm. And during that time, I noticed that a lot of people had family photos on their walls. And the more you kind of look into it and the more I started to think about it and document it, I realized that traditional display methods of family photography really interested me and the psychology behind it. So whether that's you know, the size, the size of images that are put on the walls in these houses, the, the placement of them, the people in them and the relationships to the, the homeowners. Um, every house is essentially its own gallery. And the homeowner, the, the, the parents, the, you know, whoever owns that house or that flat or that apartment, they are the curator of that exhibition. And it's something that I find really fascinating. So this idea of home and how we build a home has always been quite close to me and it's something that I'd like to eventually try to turn into this project and we did start to turn into a project called the Steve Project um, which documented traditional display methods uh, as the importance of the display methods because you know as as photography has advanced we have kind of lost the photo album and it's now everything's on iPhones and iPads and laptops and tablets and I think there's a beauty to having uh, photo albums that we can flick through. So that's, again, another side project that I have to work on when I have time uh, in between work and Shoot Film UK. So um, it's something to think about. But that's kind of where the idea for that open call came from. Why was it called the Steve Project? Um, because my father was called Steve and I did a project at uni about him because he passed away when I was very young and the only thing I have are printed photos of him that were taken on a film camera 
Now, my memory of, of him is very vague, and the only memories I really have are those that are triggered by these uh, photos. So it kind of expresses the importance of family photography, but also the need to print pictures. That's a good reason for it to be called the Steve Project. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So th- this is obviously something that's, that's, as you said, very personal to you. I mean, in the second that must be left in your day between running Shoot Film UK and doing a normal job that brings money in, what what is your photography lifestyle? What do you? What's your, you know, other than Shoot Film UK, creative outlets? Um, my other creative outlets really are. I recently finished a project, a personal project, my first solo project, I suppose, uh, which was funded by the Arts Council of England, and that was uh, documenting sight loss. That came about through another piece of my past that I kind of turned into this creative process. Um, And I met up with lots of people who had gone through sight loss, whether that was being born blind or losing their sight through accidents and the, the degrees of their sight loss from complete blindness to partial sight. Um, so that was one way that I was able to then create work for myself. Um, and then with working at the City of Liverpool College and uh, teaching HNC photography for that, for that time, I was also kept in the world of photography that way. Uh, at the moment, whilst I'm working on shoot film, I it's more of a pleasure thing for me. So I've got, um, I shoot with, I've got an SX-70. I use my Canon A1 and my Bronica. And uh, I've recently acquired uh, the Zero 2000 pinhole camera as well. So uh, depending on what film I have lying around and st- um, stored in the fridge, I'll then go out on my days off with my cameras and just go wandering. That's what, you, you can't have a lot of time for doing that, I can't imagine, given what you're putting into um, shoot film. You've, you've already put out the two um, digital zines. Um, do you have aspirations towards, in the future, creating printed... Because um, you have, on your website, you have um, a sort of self-publishing thing, and the, the, you're, there's loads of things, actually, on your website. There's obviously lots of things that you're um, investigating and trying out. Um, you've got a store on there. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie, Carl. It's not the best-stocked store I've ever seen. seen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, um, I, all of the film that's on there that is now sold out is film that I've had in the past, and put on there to see if people would be interested and to be honest I wasn't sure if people would find the website because there's so many things like Amazon eBay and all these places that people go to buy film and one of the reasons I put the shop on there is because where where I live in Blackpool um, it's really hard to find film and I have to go to places uh, like out, out of town to the cities to buy film um, so I wasn't sure that people would come to Shoot Film UK to buy film. Now, now that I know people are interested and I have sold the film that I had, um, as no, soon as I can turn this into... a disappointment page. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but as soon as I can turn this into a place where people are coming regularly and you know it, it becomes more of a, a platform... I suppose like your, uh, it won't ever be as big as Facebook in those, but um, where I know visitors are coming, then I will begin to restock and sell and try to turn a profit to then 
invest that in more film and eventually try and grow that that shop space as well you meant you mentioned um sort of building an audience as well uh carl and i, I noticed recently you'd started up the forum uh, and i was just wondering how how that's going because that's that's quite new for yourself isn't it and sort of curating that well i mean the, the forum came around really um through looking at other photography forums and noticing how kind of cluttered they are mm. and I want Shoot Film UK to be a website where people can come and spend time and not just, you know, look at a few pictures and then disappear again. So a way for me to get people involved is to allow them to have their own profiles and, you know, kind of uh, set up this place where they can go away from uh, normal social media sites to this dedicated film photography website where they can share their work and they can uh, kind of share ideas and projects and maybe even collaborate internationally you know there's there's no real limits with with the forum um it's real hard to get people to look at forums these days isn't it carl it's it's not i mean obviously we we're involved with the pixelated photographer forum and um over the years it's with everything else competing for eyes and twitter and instagram and facebook and everywhere else um it's getting harder and harder to get people to engage with forums as well I mean, I personally really like them, but well, I think I think it's one of those places that you have to go to when you want something or when you want to share something. So rather than it just being this kind of fluid place where you can go and upload images and hashtag them and then they disappear within like minutes because so many more thousands of people are also uploading at the same time. Um, Shoot Film UK, in in the way that I personally try and live my life is to really slow down the process um and appreciate film and you know you go there and you can spend time and upload your images and you can write about them in in length and say why you've taken them and what they mean and you know it, it it's a place where hopefully people will then eventually come to to spend time like i say rather than just quickly go to an image website and post and then forget about it and just expect that loads of likes are going to come in and you know it's all about statistics and how many people have viewed your your images and how many people have double clicked on them now and I'm trying to get away from that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting to have a think about the the longer form conversations that we have. You know, face to face, we have these conversations, but not necessarily online. Um, is that why you particularly like it as well, Graham? Um, you know, you said you you really enjoy forums, and that that sort of works well for you. Is it because of that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I do find that the the forum environment is a much better place than any other social media outlet for um, being able to both express more thought out um, conversations and you know, you've got the space there and you've got the time to do it um, and do have a more of a dialogue because of the way it exists within time you know people can go and look at the thread like at any time of the day and it, it as I said before about Twitter it all goes by too quickly and I'll get messages saying oh such and such said the thing about a thing yesterday it's like well that conversation's gone and um but no i think forums and i think the i know that there are some analog photography forums out there already um some of them are very gear focused some of them are um i I understand quite crotchety places with people who like to express opinions on things they know for a fact um i think it would be 
the idea of getting a new, more chilled out forum uh, with more of a leaning towards the artistic and creative side of photography um, sounds wonderful, as well as having somewhere people can swap tips and all that. But I, I do think there's a niche there, and it's certainly something that I would love to visit and hang out in because I, you know, I, I do enjoy those kinds of conversations, and it's very, very hard to have them um, on Facebook or Instagram or on Twitter. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for forums to make a triumphant comeback <laughs> i think you might be waiting a long time <laughs> yeah you, you might be right there <laughs> okay so so we this this is a, a great and very creative conversation i'm looking at this list here carl on your website your list of contributors and i see that uh i don't know if this is like a, a chart i see rachel's made it in at number 39 <laughs> my number 39 <laughs> I hadn't noticed yeah, that. Actually. Yeah, no, so somewhere between, uh, you know, not not far from Cl- uh, Claudio Gomboli, who who's somebody I follow on Twitter and who takes some, some uh, great photos, and and actually just above Lucy Wainwright, who um, Rachel actually know Lucy, or yeah, I know you know of her. Uh, I know um, of her, and I think you know, sort of, we have some crossover definitely. Um, I mean, it's not it's not that surprising, I suppose, uh, both being. Um, people who shoot analog film um you know you you start to recognize names it's definitely people that you uh, you chat to and and you know see their work and go ah oh, yeah that's got such a distinctive style i recognize it as something that lucy's done that kind of thing um yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've not actually met in person. Um, somebody hopefully will be able to get on the show at some point. I'll, I will reach out to Lucy and hopefully yeah. we'll be able to do that. Yeah. That'd be we, great. We keep saying we're going to get um, Lucy on one day. She keeps trying oh, yeah. to avoid it. <laughs> so, I, well, the, re- the reason for bringing that all up is that I, I'm not going to ask you to pick a favourite on the show here. Carl, oh, I will. Who's that. your favourite car out of all the people you've had on so far? Who's, your, uh, who's the worst? Well, you're not on there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's true oh very good we'll, very have, to, good. we'll have to add you Graham just so that you can be the worst it'd be alright you can be number 13 but yeah the no, so so there's some names on here um, I, I recognise and there's a lot of names I don't and and just just um, you know you, you probably know because you've I know that you've listened to the show that, that we do some shout outs at the uh, at the end of the show or towards the end of the show just a little bit of a heads up here I might ask you to think about two or three off that list of 122 I mean that's a lot of contributions that you might want uh, that do you think our uh, our listeners might uh might benefit from from seeing their work if they haven't done okay. so far. But okay, I'll have, I'll have a think. Yeah, I've just realised. I've just realised that my shout out is on this list. Unsurprisingly, yeah, there's <laughs> loads of people on on this <laughs> list who we follow <clears throat> and whose work oh, yeah. we're familiar with and enjoy. Yeah, there's there's a really great who's who of who the heck, as they say. Oh, that's say. interesting. Are, are these are the a lot of these people are very active on Instagram, then are they? Because <laughs> yep. I I'm not seeing so many that I know. I have to say. That's because I, I was looking show. forward to seeing lots and lots of new work as I clicked my way down this list after we show after we record the show. But oh uh, well, okay. Well, I tell you what. Listen, this yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm loving what we've got here, uh, Carl. I think this is a yeah. I love I love the look of it. Uh, that it, it it is really relaxing to look at your website. There are not that many websites that are nice and relaxing, and you you know and and you get the feeling that you could look at them for some while, but I, I definitely could. I'm like Graham. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing some some stock in the store. I'm looking forward to uh, some of the, the, the what's on stuff. And uh, now I know that it's there. And uh, when I see some of the open calls, I can go for that as well. So Definitely. Uh, yeah, thank you. Especially so, now we know that you'll take basically anything on there. 
<laughs> yeah, that that is one of my reasons as well, actually. <laughs> so, so listen, uh, yeah, thanks very much for coming to talk to us. Uh, we, we're going to need to take a quick break now, break now, but I'm hoping that you'll stay with us for the rest of the show and chip in because I know there's a number of things in our show notes which uh, we, which you'll probably have some views on uh, as we go along. Definitely. Excellent. All right, thanks very much. Let's go to that break. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so, in the break, we have just had a realisation that pretty much all of us have been asked multiple times to do interviews on Immersive.org, apart from our buddy Graham. Oh, yeah. Graham. Um, I'm... Whatever. You're off the Christmas card list. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, 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 you better ask Graham, really, mate. Um, he, He's going to get upset. And you don't want to see Graham when he's upset. He's telling you when I see me when I'm not upset either. I mean, it's just never a pretty sight. <laughs> it's all right. You live on opposite sides of the world. It's fine. Anyway, it's news time. Graham, what have you been up to? Okay. So, so uh, this has been a fairly slow week for me photographically. So I was thinking, right, let's move on. What then. have I done or what have I seen <laughs> or what have I experienced? No, you're not getting away with it. Um, that's photographic. And you know that I like to bring the cultural touchstones to the show. <laughs> analog photography you know out there in the wider world of media so this week with my children i was watching jurassic world which was a small indie movie which came out i think was it last year or the year before i can't remember i've already seen it once and i was watching it and my attention was caught um first by the fact that it's a massive advert for mercedes-benz so f that film um but also the little kid um was shooting a diana throughout that film uh Weird, right? In fact, at the very beginning of the film, where he's leaving his bedroom and stuff like that, you can see he's got a load of analogue um, cameras on his shelves there, which is weird for a kid who I guess is supposed to be, I don't know, 10 years old or something. But yeah, he's got, throughout that film, he's um, doing a poor job of making an impersonation of somebody shooting with a Diana film camera, which apparently shoots a lot faster and without winding on than I previously realised. Um, particularly incongruous when you think about the fact that, you know, they have all this high-tech stuff in there, those weird pod things that roll around. It's all very futuristic. And yeah, this nerdo dweeb kid, because neither of the children in that film are likeable, um... Is out there with a Diana. So that's been this week's cultural touchstone. No, wait, hang on. That's been uh, this week's what now? Uh, you know, cultural touchstone. That's what we call this. Move on. Everybody. It's an occasional segment, folks. <laughs> it's the occasional segment of cultural touchstones. Everybody. All right, all right. So I, okay, so I'm going to go next. I just have one little piece of news. Um, I got actually quite a lot of social media pushback when, uh, for people who listened to last week's show, when I said that I wasn't going to take a film camera to the wedding I shot. <laughs> so I would just like to put the, the record straight. I did feel, no, not, not guilty because I just don't do that. But I did feel that actually I, there was an opportunity not to be missed there. So after we recorded last week's show, I thought, well, how can I do this? How can I do this? And so I took my pinhole to the wedding yeah. and shot a roll of film. That's awesome. Perfect so, I, wedding camera. <clears throat> It is, it is, it, it captures snapshots like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I had uh, one set up where the exposure time was a little under three minutes. 
Uh, I, I photographed the first dance. Um, the, the exposure time there was nearly a minute. But luckily, the, the bride and groom didn't move very far. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of them being exactly Fred or Ginger. Um, <laughs> or maybe but maybe the wrong way around. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, it was a great wedding. Uh, and I enjoyed shooting all the bridal prep we talked about. Uh, and that, uh, that was all digital. So the less said about that on this show, the better. But I shot a whole roll of film uh, through my 6x12 pinhole, uh, including some stuff where... Uh, I've got one where the bride was talking to some friends. It was sort of between the, the, the meal and the speeches and then the evening stuff starting. And they stayed still for ages. So I'm hoping I've actually got a, a photograph of some people standing chatting, which would be really awesome because it was an amazing room it was in. And it'll look, it'll look good on a pinhole shot. Yeah, I mean, it seems perfect because uh, like M- Michael Barrymore would say, the bride's all white, so it's perfect for pinhole shots. Yes, it'll come out with so, so much detail. She, I, I'm, she's, it's going to be a sort of ghostly thing. I'm hoping that. And when I did the uh, the first dance, that was actually in a conservatory, so it was really well lit, um, uh, but but not with direct sunlight, so even better. Uh, and uh, it turned out that almost all of the wedding guests, as they do on a first dance, sort of stay you know, still around the edges watching. And the bride and the groom were in the middle of the shot, and they didn't move very far. So I'm hoping that. They, they were more or less in the same part of the film so that they will have made an impression, a sort of whirly-swirly impression of the bride and groom with the the whole all the guests around them watching intently. That's what I'm hoping has happened. So, uh, yeah, watch this space for actually, when I get the film back from the lab, we find out what actually did happen. <laughs> How did you find um, approaching that with a pinhole camera? Because I know a lot of people, when you go to photograph weddings, expect the really high-key kind of sharp crisp images that document the day was that something that you had to explain to them the process that you were going to use whilst you were shooting with a pinhole camera uh well actually i, I mean i had the 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 luckiness i suppose um in that the, this was a family wedding so it wasn't a commercial gig um and the bit that i'd been asked to do was over by then so i'd been asked to do the bridal prep uh and they uh and they the bride they the bride and groom had hired uh actually two photographers um for the ceremony and and bits and around, bits around the ceremony so and do all the formal stuff so I, I i was lucky i had the luxury of just sitting up there with a a little tripod and the camera and people come up to me and say what's that <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's a camera and they're like but it, it, it's a box and it's like yeah but it's also a camera <laughs> <laughs> so why can't I see the photographs on the back then? Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was great, and so I'm looking forward to see what happens. So I thought I'd let you know, everybody that listens to this show, that I'm not a complete girly lightweight. Uh, I did take a film camera, and I made the opportunity to take a, a ridiculous film camera given the occasion, and hopefully something will come out of it. That sounds awesome. And just so the listeners also know, um, what's your opinion on Jurassic World? Because that's probably the most important thing they want to know. Um, I I can imagine that it's uh, it's as good as any fourth movie in the series is, but I haven't seen it. I confess. Oh goodness sakes! Well, now you know it's all about analog <laughs> photography. You'll have to make a point what? of watching it. Uh, yeah, um, I did see. Uh, speaking of um, uh, movies about photographers, um, I did see uh, Spider Man Homecoming a couple of weeks ago. And uh, whilst I didn't see him using any analog cameras, it is an awesome movie. Loads and loads of fun. Yeah, I saw that with my boys this weekend as well. It's pretty great. It was better than Jurassic World, which, in case nobody's clear, I think sucks quite badly. 
I, I, that came through subtly um, in your review. Um, <laughs> but Spider-Man Homecoming is a pretty awesome movie on lots of different levels. Obviously, Peter Parker is a photographer. He is. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it definitely a, it's definitely a, a photography-themed movie. That is exactly what it's about. <laughs> anyway, I wasn't the only one that shot a wedding at the weekend. Rach, Rach now you, so let me get this straight, right? On Saturday, you shot a wedding. And, you know, I was trying to swap messages with you at about nine, ten o'clock in the evening <laughs> and eventually got one back at something like 2 a.m. saying, I've just got home. Yeah. How long was this wedding? And what's the point? <laughs> or, or was it just a really long way away? <laughs> it was actually in Liverpool. So it was uh, it was on home turf, which was nice, obviously, for that. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was a full, you know, I am value for money. <laughs> so, you know, when people hire me, you you, know, you get me for the full day. Um, plus, obviously, all the prep and the pay production and everything as well but um yeah I uh I, I couldn't I couldn't leave I didn't want to leave because it was such a such a lovely day anyway and they'd done a wonderful job um but actually they'd hired me as the wedding photographer but also hired Rosie me to bring along Rosie in the uh, my caravan photo booth as well so that was particularly why it was a little bit later uh, because we opened her up for like three hours at the end of the night so obviously I've been there all day since you know sort of six in the morning what have you setting her up then I'd gone and done the bridal prep uh, and then obviously shot the ceremony, shot the reception, which happened to be at the Palm House in Liverpool. And it's it's this beautiful Victorian uh, kind of palm, literally palm house um, on what was actually a very, very hot Saturday. <laughs> so we were in a greenhouse <laughs> in the afternoon. So that was interesting. Um, but but yeah, absolutely beautiful. And we were very lucky that, that it wasn't chucking it down, which it had been pretty much in the lead up to and since. Um, so that was uh, that was on Saturday. And obviously it went into the evening and then I opened up the photo booth and uh, and I did a good three hours uh, in there with everybody coming in dressing up and enjoying having their photos taken with the my old 1991 um old wide. so that was a lot of fun um they're always great I know you take you love taking your Fuji um Instax printer don't you Aid the uh, the little minis that you can get from that um but I I tend to uh, take the insects wide and shoot directly on that um for them all and peg them up so they can all see them sort of appear afterwards and they've got some lovely shots from that um but during the actual wedding itself when I was shooting that I decided that I was going to take a few uh, a few cameras uh couldn't quite decide you know which ones to take and then you went and took your flipping pinhole and I thought oh that's another one that I'm gonna have to uh, to <laughs> take with me now you know I can't let aid beat me by <laughs> Take a pinhole, but actually, I although I did take my pinhole with me, I didn't get a chance to shoot with it, unfortunately. So, um, I was using my 35mm Canon Shore shot in the 1980s, the one that's got this wonderful, very 80s noise. Uh, when you shoot with that, that was a lot of fun. Um, just so I had a 35mm one, um, my Olympus OM30, the Polaroid 600 close up, and my Instax wide. So, uh, as well as digital, obviously, because some of it I needed to cover with digital to make sure I got those shots f- for the couple. Um, but uh, but they really particularly loved the, the the vintage photography side of things that I do. So uh, so that was it was a real treat to go and be able to do that, and they had a lovely day. It was it was great. Oh, and in in response to your Jurassic World, I haven't seen Jurassic World, oh, but Jurassic. Park was the very first film I ever saw at a cinema, so oh. that was pretty cool. That can't possibly be true. It is true. How Rupert. young are you? <laughs> <laughs> or did you just not go to the cinema until it, you were twenty-five? No, <laughs> I, 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 I was. Uh, I was 
12, I think. No, because rugby didn't have a cinema no till, I, t- till I left. Rugby didn't have a cinema till I left and went to university. So, uh, so yeah, so we had to go over to Coventry to, to go to the cinema. And, you know, that's, that's a fair <laughs> so that's shout. Right. Rachel and I were discussing last week that um, I lived in rugby for a short while. And, um, yeah, they did not get a cinema until actually after even I'd left. And then they got this multiplex there. And I went to see the first Lord of the Rings film there. So I'm going to back really? up Rachel's yeah. story that, yeah, rugby Thank is you. a very backwards town. That was your story, right? <laughs> All right, we've got to go around the circle now if this is the thing. So, Carl, do you remember what was the first film you saw at the cinema? Do you know something? It was that long ago, I can't remember. <laughs> to be honest, I can't remember the last film I saw at the cinema, let alone the first film. <laughs> All right, well, we know what Graham... OK, fair enough. Well, we know what Graham has seen most recently. What Graham, what was your first film at the cinema? It was... It's Super. a Wonderful Life. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> Listen, I've already been upset enough by the earlier revelation. It was the Bible, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was that film of the train coming towards you. That's that one. Um, it was Superman 2, I think. I'm pretty sure it was Superman 2. That's the one with General Zod in it, isn't it? Or was that Superman? Uh, yeah, it is, yes. Yeah, I think yes. it was Superman 2. That was the first Played one. Played by Terence Stamp. Yes. I, I'm pretty sure I remember my mum taking me to see it um, for my birthday when I was a nickel boy and it would be very exciting so I think that was the first one that's certainly my first memory of going alright okay so clearly I'm the oldest on this show then but that's alright I, I think I knew that anyway to be honest so what was so, the first one you went to then Aid? well I think the very first one I went to see was Bed Knobs and Broomsticks but, but not, <gasps> in, the, not in the 60s when it first came out but I went to see it when I was about like 6 or something like that oh. and then the, but the first proper movie like when it was fresh out as it were i went to see in the cinemas i believe was the empire strikes back i'm not quite old enough to have gone to see star wars when it came out but i was old enough for empire strikes back yeah and certainly plenty old enough for return of the jedi yeah saw jedi but not empire strikes back so ah we're all old how (laughs) yes not as old as the cameras we shoot though eh? that's true that's true so So if you're starting to feel old pick up a pick up a film camera on on the subject of old cameras Rach you you were out with your um, new purchase your Agfa folder this last week how how did that go for you it didn't go well (laughs) so um so yeah I took I took my Agfa folder out and uh, I I didn't really know what size um, frames I was going to be getting but I ended up with eight shots coming coming out on the on the roll so they're six by nine um uh, I was very excited took it into the dark room got it got it all processed and everything um and uh, took them out and went these all look very dark (laughs) as negatives um I did um have a well I just bought myself a new little uh, a light pad so uh, just laid them over that and t- took a couple of shots just on my phone to see uh, to see how they come out um inverted it and went oh yes so there's something wrong here and basically all of the portrait one shots that I'd done on it were all totally ruined because they got um a big light leak right across uh, uh, like right through people's face where people's faces would be unfortunately so that was a real shame because actually I got I'd taken one shot at uh, uh, like a family um, naming ceremony and uh, just of the fam- of the family uh, and I'd been really like hopeful oh it might be might be one that will come out and it was the last shot on the roll and I thought great but yeah unfortunately um, you can only see them from the shoulders down <laughs> so that's not the best um, wasn't entirely sure what was wrong with it um, but I got hold of one of the little sort of like mini party lights that you can get um, and put it inside the camera 
camera just to see where the light was obviously coming through and it turns out yeah the bellows have got a big hole in them well it's not that big when you look at it but unfortunately it'll be letting in a lot of light um but it's underneath as well so that's why i hadn't actually noticed it and realized when i when i actually checked it um all over before i bought it i hadn't actually seen it because it's it's on the underneath part as it as you open it up so obviously if it's on the sides or on the top you'd be much more likely to see it but I hadn't caught that one, unfortunately. So I will, when I get some time, I will fix it because it is a lovely camera. And uh, and I, look, I really like the size negatives as well that you get. You can get some some great detail in that, I think. Um, so yeah, it just needs a little bit of TLC, as quite a lot of them do. So unfortunately, it's sitting on the shelf at the minute. Um, we didn't really get much chance to chat, uh, Carl, about the cameras that you shoot with. I know you mentioned a few. I guess I always think of you as shooting with your Polaroid SX70. And I don't know if that's because it was the first camera I saw you with, perhaps. You know, it's like when you meet somebody for the first time, that's how you how you envisage them with their haircut. And then if they cut the hair, you're like, who is this person? You, you never kind of like see them in the same light again. Um, but I don't know if that's true. I mean, you've obviously got quite a lot of Polaroid on your on your website and what have you. But um, do, you, do you prefer to shoot with that? Or do you, do you use folders? Have you used Bellows cameras, that kind of thing? Um, I have used, have used them in the past. Um, I've used the folders and large format with Bellows and things. But um, usually my, my main camera that I use is the Canon A1 35mm um, purely for the reason that I have a set of lenses with that that I can take anywhere um, and film is relatively cheap for it you know whether you're just shooting the Fuji 200 or or uh, just a standard roll of 35mm when I feel a bit more creative and I have a few ideas or there's places that I want to go exploring then I will take things like the the SX70 um, and my uh, pinhole camera as well um, and then I have my I have an, um, an anniversary edition of the uh, Bronica ETR SI mm-hmm. um, medium format so I take that with me and shoot on that when I'm really focusing on it like a, I'd call it a, like a main project if you will so whether that's something that's uh, a commissioned project or something that really requires the detail and, and the patience with that um, so I think, yeah, I think I have, I have a nice collection of cameras that I would use for different things. And I think I, I, I'm at the place now where I, I know, depending on what I'm shooting, which piece of equipment I will take with me, if not a variation of all, all of them. So, Sure. Well, great. Thanks very I've much to, for sharing. I've got to say, I love out of all of those, I, I love my Bronica. Um, I, I think that's an awesome camera. I think they're, they're a bit underrated. I think people look down on them as sort of being, you know, cheaper wedding cameras from the 80s or something like that. But I love my Bronica. It's an awesome beastie. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think people see them as like the poor man's Hasselblad, don't they, really? They're, they're kind of, like you say, the cheaper alternative. And uh, the person the, where I bought mine from, uh, he used to use that as a commercial camera. And he said that his clients were uh, requiring images instantly so he had to change to digital and he had no need for the the Bronica anymore but I think like you say they are very underrated and and they produce really stunning images yeah I would absolutely love to get my hands on a Bronica so uh yeah at some point I I definitely would like like to go for that um I actually really enjoy shooting on my rolly cord um maybe more than my rolly flex actually just just for the 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 kind of aesthetic that it gives me um and uh yeah it was it the Bronica is something that I've been looking at for for a while now so uh I'm gonna keep my 
is ears peeled and eyes open. <laughs> I'm not sure which way around it's supposed Total to be. Total touchstones <laughs> all around here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Rach, just getting back to your folder quickly. Um, yes. Couple of thoughts. Um, the one thing with the the negatives that have been spoiled. Um, obviously, they're overexposed where the light leaks come through. I mean, are they completely blasted out, or is there still some information left there? There's still a little bit of information there. Um, is, you can, you can, yeah. Is, go on. Is it worth trying to get them into Lightroom and using the um, ND filters because they've got quite good graduated filters in there that you can use to try and even them out and pull them back a bit in the areas that have um, gone. Yeah, I think. I think the the one that's of um, just a single person that's unfortunately is too gone. But with the with the family shot, I'm I'm going to try it anyway. I'll give it a shot and, and see. <laughs> Excuse the that's pun. a really good uh, shout, actually, yeah. Graham. I think because yeah. um, the other th- the other Lightroom tool that might be really useful is the dehazing tool. It's like the defog kind of yeah, absolutely. I'll give that a try as well. Yeah, that I mean that that one if you end up with, um, is very good just at recovering contrast in a scene. It it it, it regardless of whether it's you know, fog for whatever reason it's foggy for just where it's a low contrast scene. Um, it can recover quite a lot, I find. It hides a lot, hides a lot of my mistakes. <laughs> the, <laughs> Thank you very much for the tips. Yeah. The other thing I was going to mention, I mentioned this to you the other day. Um, I, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's something that was recommended to me for the repair of um, pinholes in bellows. Um, somebody suggested using now, Rach. I'm hoping you're going to be able to help me out on this because I suspect you know more about nail varnish than anybody else on this call does. Um, but is it is it acrylic nail varnish? There's a kind of nail varnish that actually has kind of like rubbery stuff in it to make it longer lasting. Uh, you're really asking the wrong woman here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Well, anyway, apparently um, some, there, there is yeah. some um, nail varnish that is sort of heavy duty, like tough rubbery nail varnish. Oh, this is the worst. Oh, yeah. oh no, no, no. I know what you mean. Like, I have heard of these sort of super nails that don't go anywhere that they're, they're like chip resistant for a long time and that kind of thing yeah i can't think what the what the technical term is but yeah there's there's something that rings a bell yeah i think that does sound like a good idea actually yeah, yeah. you just put a little blob of it on there i mean i think the key thing is you want one that's got that has some flexibility in it but um yeah really good easy way of patching up small pinholes i know when i bought my um when i bought ronald the large format camera um, the guy gave me a roll of very thin black electrical tape on the back. He said, when you find holes, just patch them up with this. And to be honest, I haven't particularly noticed any yet, but that's that's what... I mean, I haven't really had the bellows out at full extension. So I'm surprised you had as much of a problem as you did with it, given that the hole was on the underside of it. It's unlucky. That... Yeah. Well, yeah. I know. I, it was a very bright day, and I think maybe it was just just bad luck that you know the way that I was holding it or something I'm not entirely sure um I mean the thing is I don't know whether it'd actually be worth taking the bellows off and replacing them so I think your tip about using you know something like a a rubbery acrylic or something is is going to be a way to go I'll try it and see we'll see if I can rescue it through that because it would be a shame to um to get rid of it as it's um my first 120 one that I can I actually was just able to put a film in it and go and shoot and I was so hoping that it would work but um because all of my other folders um uh Carl have been sort of like you know a 616 or 620 or something that take a lot more faffing around with um so uh, yeah I was just I was really excited about the fact that I was going to have an easy life and I could just put a roll of 120 in and go and shoot with it um so uh, so yeah I'll see if I can fix it and I'll, I'll keep you guys posted don't worry excellent all right so uh let's take another quick break and then we'll come back with more <laughs> <laughs> 
details, Ellie. Details. <laughs> we don't need for details on this show. <laughs> we'll just patch up the holes with some unnamed rubbery sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Right, yo, um, uh, where are we at now? I think it's probably that segment of the show that we have every week that we like to call shoot at or shout outs or something. I don't know. Anyway, we have a guest and we always like to ask our guests first. So, Carl, over to you. I believe you have a shout out to somebody. I would like to shout out someone who's been featured on the Shoot Film UK website. Um, and her name is Joanne Coates. She's based in Yorkshire. And she's very active within the film photography world. She's, I mean, I've just been browsing her website quickly as well. She was uh, featured on British General Photography in the uh, 10 Young Emerging and Established Photographers Still Using Film. Uh, I know that she's also part of the LensThink Yorkshire Collective that organise photography meets and discussions. Um, So, yeah, she's really active and I think she, she deserves to be followed and She's probably one to watch. So uh, her Instagram is at Joanne Rebecca Coates and her website is joannecoates.co.uk. So it's definitely one to, to keep an eye on. Yeah. OK, great. That's that's uh, you should show a, a picked a good one there. I'm just flicking through her website and uh, so it, it's a beautifully set out website with some fantastic photos on it as well. Yeah, so really that's... nice design. And and I, I like that. I like it when people include projects that they've they've been featured in and you know they've got she has a list of everything that's been going on in her life from the exhibitions she's had and the projects that she's working on and she even dates them and uh, you know it it really makes easy to to follow the website like you say yeah absolutely okay well thank you for that show note uh show note shout out we shall put the web address and the instagram in uh in the show notes right next stop on our shout outs uh rach you got somebody you want to shout out to yeah there's a lady called hillary clark who i've been following for a little while and her handle is at a i t c h clark c l a r k e so which is h clark uh, which I quite like the way that she spells that. Um, I've just re- always really liked her her work. She shoots a lot, um, sort of um, film for Anya. She tends to hashtag them quite often. Uh, quite a lot of um, Polaroid as well. Um, and yeah, just in general, um, her work. She seems to be quite prolific. She's on there quite often. And actually, there was something else that uh, we didn't get a chance to chat about earlier, and I was just going to mention it briefly. Um, I believe she's had two images uh, selected for inclusion in the. Uh, Photodarium 2018 which is a Polaroid diary with tear off pages um, I, th- I saw it as a project started in 2016 uh, there was a call out to submit images and what have you and she's obviously submitted some and two of them have been chosen so it'll be coming out soon as the actual 2018 diary obviously um, uh, which is a I think what they say is it's a calendar for 2018 with 365 instant photos so you tear one off each day and lots of um, Polaroid photographers have obviously submitted to that. So she was one of the people who did. And her handle is A-I-T-C-H-C-L-A-R-K-E-H-Clark. And that's on Instagram. That's on Instagram, yes. I'm not sure if she is on Twitter, but that's yeah. the Instagram handle. 
Thank I, you. I'm quite envious that she's got hold of this some of this Ferrania stuff. I still haven't received any Ferrania film. Oh, no. Is this so. from your Kickstarting? Yeah, yeah. The Kickstarter in... Uh, I don't know, 2014 BC or whenever it was. I've seen quite <laughs> a few people getting it on Instagram. Yeah, Everyone I think I might need to... Yeah, when Dave, was on, when Dave Bias was on the show, well, way, way, way back, uh, uh, he did send me a little message afterwards saying, I'm not sure I can find you on our list, so I might need to give him a ping. Um, <laughs> and uh, say, oi, um, did, you, did, did I get lost? <laughs> did you, do you remember saying something that really offended him when he was on the show? Maybe that's why you haven't got the film. I, I I think that was you, and he's just got the two of us confused. I maybe. Could be. Could be. <laughs> All right. Speaking of which, uh, I think it's over to you now, Mike, for some emails of the week. Yep, we got some more awesome emails. The first one is from Niall Crowley. Uh, no, I hope you're saying your name correctly. I apologise if not. Um, hi guys, recently caught up with your podcast, having listened to every single episode to date. <laughs> Yoinks. Uh, wow. I seem to have come out the other end relatively unscathed. I'm glad he put the relatively in there because no one is getting through there without a scratch. Uh, so that's got to be a, a good a lot sign. of content these days. Yeah. I have attached a recording of a Canon AE-1 program with a particularly bad case of shutter squeak, which you may be able to use to cover up bad words, which is awesome. I put the shout out last week for um, shutter sounds to uh, cover our expletives during the show. And Nile is the first last one to send us one so that's awesome um please do send them in uh, obviously we need to test that these work so um i'm gonna go with the expression um let's think oh jurassic world can go fuck itself uh, and now aid you can use the shutter sound to bleep that and see if it's effective but um niall thank you very much for that uh, let's see who's up next. Uh, Adrian Stock. No, not reading that out. Um, next up, um, <laughs> Crumbs. The, the, there is a lengthy email from our good friend Zach Riving, um, who's getting back in touch. He's been away for a few weeks, so this is a, a bit of a catch up. Um, he's very pleased that Rachel's on the podcast. Um, he's, he's, he. He's he's claiming that he predicted it. He he said he, you know he heard you come on. <laughs> I, I felt Rachel should be there. Um, he's been out getting some pictures for the Cheap Shots Challenge with his um, Minolta XGA, which he used for his fantastic uh, horse picture before. I we we talked a couple of times about this about using the reversing your lens on your SLR to get. Um, the uh, macro effect and uh, that's exactly what he's been doing uh, but Zach got fed up of holding the lens against the camera so good old gaffer tape to the rescue um, uh, do you know I meant to, I meant to tell you a little bit about mine because I'd ended up making like an extension tube out of a toilet roll because <laughs> 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 I had a similar issue with that I can't be bothered trying to hold this and you know try and shoot through this stupid camera that I've got for the cheap shots challenge so I thought well, I'll have a look at a, a, uh, it was a Lomography close-up lens that I found. And it happens to be exactly the right um, uh, fitting for a loo roll. <laughs> so <laughs> this is the kind of crazy things that ha- I, happens, you know, in my house. Uh, you know, husband comes over and is like, what on earth are you doing now? And I'm like, cutting up bits of toilet roll. Anyway, so uh, I found that the lens fitted onto the end of the loo roll. Well, so I've cut it down and put that over the lens of my... Uh, the big yellow camera that I'm shooting with, uh, so that's my extension tube. So yes, I'm fully on board with Zach and his uh, his ideas of uh, using gaffer or some other way of holding these other lenses on 
I think that's a great idea. Well done, Zach. Yeah, I had... It was cheap toilet paper. There's a philosophy (laughs) at stake here. Yes. (laughs) I I had exactly this problem when I was trying to take pictures with mine. And so I also um, taped this blooming hefty lump of glass onto the um, bit of the lens because obviously because mine's a sort of bridge camera when you turn it on the lens kind of goes and comes out and then I taped it onto <laughs> that um, which I do not think was a very good idea because I think there was far too much weight to attach to this fairly delicate piece of plastic that came oh, out God. Um, but it, it all seems fine um, anyway I'm going to quickly read through some more of the bits um, that Zach put in here so first thing is um we asked where Zach was getting his 8mm film for his... Because he's got a little one of the little Minox spy cameras. Oh, yeah. And, they're really cute, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. And he gets his film from Blue Moon Camera. Um, I've heard of Blue Moon Camera before. They they talk about them on, uh, I think, FPP is where I've heard about them. Um, they are based in Oregon, apparently. Um, but but they may well do over overseas shipping. So if anybody wants to look for stuff, 8mm film, that's um, bluemooncamera.com. Um he very much enjoyed the conversation about time management um, last week. That well, was last week, wasn't it? <laughs> My time management so poor, I've forgotten when we had it. Um, uh, and uh, the idea of breaking things down and, and managing them. With that thought in mind, he, he brought in mind of the Cheap Shots Challenge. He said, may I suggest an upfront time limit? Um, maybe saying that every two to three months a new challenge will be announced with the closing of another. That way folks know clear dates when they need to get their film developed and such. For procrastinators like me, it lets me know how long I can put it off. That's a very good idea. Um, Zach is far better at this than we are anyway. So... Carl will be able to give us some advice with that because obviously he's put open calls out and has very clearly given deadlines, haven't you? Have you have you ever had a go where you've not given a clear deadline and it's kind of just gone on forever? Um, well, the last the last open call that I did was for home, and even though I do set deadlines for each open call, sometimes I do get people who say I've, I've missed the deadline, but can I still submit? Um, and I think I, I, I don't like to be too harsh, so I still like, accept and just extend the deadline for them for like another week. And I then get other people then submitting because they see that the deadline has been extended. Um, <laughs> Have you run into the problem, Carl, where you're the person who hasn't submitted for your own zine and you're the one that's holding <laughs> it? Because that's kind of the issue that we have here. <laughs> We're the ones holding it all up. Well, to be honest, I try and keep on top of things because I am the type of person that would leave things till the last minute. So as people submit work, it goes straight on the website and I promote it as soon as possible. Otherwise, I'm just going to end up with a backlog of images to promote and to upload and mm. descriptions to write and things. So I think the best practice for myself is to just be so proactive and get things on as and when they I receive them. Yeah, that sounds like a better way of doing this. Okay, well, we will we will get better. Let's move on. Let's move on. That'll never catch on, Randy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> carrying on. We'll with We'll come this back email. to you, Zach. <laughs> um, some thoughts on the four by five scanning, the ongoing four by five scanning thing. So Zach says that uh, he too uses an Epson scanner, an eight hundred series. Uh, about your issue of scanning large negatives, mine came with what I believe is a four by five holder. So unless it's particular to that model. Um, which it is, unfortunately. I think it was the 700 upwards. They turned the um, scanner from having a thin strip on the top 
for scanning negatives up to 120 to the entire top panel being able to scan negatives so you can even go up to 8 by 10 with that so yeah unfortunately it doesn't help me that you've got a fancy la dee da scanner Zach unless you want to post it to me but um, thank you for letting but me know can anyway I, can I remind you of something that you said on last week's show nope. then because this is I've been <laughs> pondering this uh, yeah yeah I, um, the uh, the thing that that I did, I don't think I really fully appreciated it when you said it in recording, but I listened back to it in the edit. And I thought that's blooming clever. That the um, wasn't Graham then. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh yeah, good point. Um, that was Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing the thing I was thinking of right is that uh, uh, whoever it was said, "Why don't you get the light panel and stick it mm. upside down on the flat bed of your scanner, and then you've got uh, yeah whatever the glass is in your scanner, you've got a lot uh, or as big as the light panel is, then you've got that much to do it." And I was thinking, "That's really clever." I know. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, I, and I ha- and I, I so I've been pondering it all week, but I've just been too busy to start to do it. But what I'm going to do is get my my absolutely normal Epson, uh, what do you call it, flatbed scanner, which doesn't have any particular negative scanning capabilities at all. And I'm going to put some negative, uh, put a negative on it, and stick a light panel on top of it so that the light is shining through the negative into the scanner and see if that works. Yeah, well, try it out and let me know how it goes, dude, because I would love to hear. Um, I've got another email on 4x5 scanning to come to in a bit, but I just want to finish up with this last bit on Zach's email um, because it's pertinent to a shout-out that you made out, um, Aiden Rich. So uh, Zach has mentioned about his favourite gadget. Do you want me to tell you what it is or do you want me to save this so you can add it into your gadget show? Oh, maybe save it for the gadget show. Then we've got some content for that. Okay, so there you go, people. We're getting gadgets through as well. So get your emails and re-gadgets. Thank you very much for the epic email, Zach. That was awesome. Um, And finally, um, (laughs) we've got an email from our good friend, Dan Smith. Um, Hi, Rachel, Aidan, Graham. Just finished listening to show 60. (laughs) Yes, always Rachel first. And then Aid second. And then somehow me last. I don't know how this has happened. It's because you two moan more. Um while walking my dog good stuff as always but my dog looked confused when i shouted at him for the love of god i told them about this ages ago uh, i was referring to scanning 4x5 film with the epson scanner <laughs> mine is a v500 same as mine um it is easy to make sure to scan- there you go so here you go rach listen up this is going to be helpful okay, for I'm us listening. all it's easy to make sure the scanner software doesn't correct both halves of the scan now i should say i do remember dan getting in touch with this about this i don't remember listening so let's try again in the configuration menu if you turn off continuous auto exposure i don't know where that button is then you control this it is also in the configuration sure sure there's one of those it's also important to make it sure it's possible to scan both halves in exactly the same space on the bed i mark mine with a permanent marker uh, it cleans off Ooh. with isopropanol um, nail varnish remover. I actually have I was some. I say that's nail varnish, isn't it? I actually that's def- the bit I know about nail varnish, the remover bit. But- <laughs> yeah, I actually have some isopropyl alcohol just sat here for when I get a bit thirsty. Um, lay the negs on the glass and preview the first half, pressing the little sphere with the two arrow locks. Uh, oh, locks any auto adjustments after selecting the bit to adjust for. Reselect the complete neg, then press scan. Then, without preview, hence making sure it is in the same space, scan the other half. Bingo! Both halves have the same adjustments. I hope this makes some sense. It it does make sense. So basically, you set it up to do the one half, and then 
just put the other one, scan it and put the other one in and scan it again. And it thinks it's doing the same thing. Um, I've done this loads with 4x5 and 6x17 negs and it works every time. To be fair, when I mentioned it before, it might have been on Twitter, boo, and limited to much less than this in characters. Um, so that is very helpful. I mean, obviously you still have to scan it in two halves and glue it together, which is fairly straightforward, but it does solve that problem that I've had with a especially with colour images of just getting completely different colour ranges that you cannot rectify afterwards. Um, so uh, thank you very much, Dan, and sorry to your dog for making you shout at your dog. <laughs> That's a lovely mental oh. image I've been left with. <laughs> a very puzzled dog being shouted at. <laughs> okay all right i'm gonna jump in here and uh say hi to uh robert james davy on twitter rj davy photo uh he he is uh sent me a uh, marvelously complimentary direct message on twitter the other day so thank you very much sir it says hi guys just wanted to say i am loving the podcast okay anybody guess why it is that i wanted to do this <laughs> <laughs> Is it all about your wonderful editing aid? Is that what it is? Uh, no, actually, no, sadly not. Anyway, he says, Hi, guys, just wanted to say I'm loving the podcast. The first one I listened to was the one with M on it. Uh, and But I've listened to about 10 since, and I get everyone straight away now. Excellent. Good yeah, model, model listening, model listening, and good to know somebody's not afraid to start with the the most recent ones, which is slightly less unprofessional. <laughs> I'm glad you're hooking up with Killian at, at Let's Explore Mag too. He's awesome and would be a great interview, I am sure. So we have been trading messages with Killian recently, as we said in our in our email section last week. I'm also glad you've got some use at the Yash TLR. I just didn't gel with it at all. I love my RB67. All 350 pounds of it. <laughs> so I've never shot with an RB67, but I have seen them and I've hefted one in a shop and they are really, really heavy. Anybody? Has anybody got one? I've not, no. no. I was going to say, did he mean in monetary value or did he mean in weight? Both, I think. Uh, it, they're both it's around. LBS. <laughs> LBS. It's def definitely weight. Definitely I, weight. I, I have picked them up in my um, awesome Aladdin's Cave um, secondhand darkroom dot, uh co.uk.com whatever it is i can never remember and I, I always get it wrong um they quite often have um some rbs and rzs there and i have picked them up and gone oh these are they are big lumps they they really are big lumps of camera um they make the bronicas look like point and shoots um but, yeah. yeah, they they do they do, don't they? I mean, I tell you, I've always been intrigued with the RBs, especially because the RB, of course, stands for rotating back, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And you know, the idea of a, a rotating back camera is is uh, is quite interesting because it's it's difficult, even with something as small as the Bronica, you know, um, to to uh, to hold it on its side to take portraits. No, it's so, not. You've got a, one of those pistol grips for it. It's not. At all. Hey, that? not all of us have the luxury of working outside and lifting heavy things for a living. Some of us have office jobs that turn us into weekly. Check out the gun show. <laughs> I can I can barely lift my pret sandwich. <laughs> oh dear. 
All right. Uh, and on that note, I think that's all of the shout outs, isn't it, for this week? Or am I mis- mistaken? Uh, oh, no, I'll tell you what. One last one. One last one. Um, I got a message from Abe Fettig this week. Uh, <gasps> yes. Abe, Abe of the Film Lab app kickstarter which we've mentioned uh, a couple of times well, we've mentioned it several times on the show and we, we and, and abe came and told us all about it uh some weeks back um he now has the very first uh testable version i don't know if he's calling it officially a beta yet um although that's where he's headed in the very near future but he's actually uh released uh the first testable version for those people who backed the kickstarter i have to say i have not had the time to uh to look at that yet um apparently you have to install a thing called test flight on your on your phone which allows you to run beta versions of of apps all of which sounds very uh very good and exciting i just haven't had the chance to do it but uh i'll maybe try and do that one evening this week so um abe just want to say hi uh great that you made that progress and got something out for the the backers to try that is you know uh i know you're working very hard on it and you wouldn't consider it a proper shipping product yet but actually some kickstarters never get to that phase today so um well done for getting through to that uh in pretty much in time with your project plan and uh, looking forward to trying it out myself yeah i can't wait either i'm really excited about that obviously i've, I've backed the project as well and um uh, abe was uh, kind enough to say oh actually because i'm going to be delivering some workshops for some uh, teenagers soon and i thought this would be perfect if i can show them a bit of convergence you know with the digital and the new app that they've created, that he's created, and uh, and obviously the um, uh, analog photography side of things. So that's why I've got my new light pad and uh, waiting, just waiting for the Android version now. So he's, I think the the one that has come out first is for the i, um, you know, sort of the um, iOS. Um, so I'm just waiting for the Android one. Very excited for that. Thanks very much, Aid. <laughs> cool all right so do we uh do we then count that as a as a gadget is an app a gadget i don't know anyway yeah. the point of mentioning it, yeah okay well, the point of mentioning that though is that as we discussed a, l- a few minutes ago with zach's email we have uh we are putting together a special edition sunny 16 podcast gadget show so please send us in uh your thoughts on particular gadgets not cameras not lenses dare i say it not even lights um but those things that you cannot possibly do without that would be uh marvelous gadgets whether they be uh, as humble as an elastic band or as uh, ridiculous as a ridiculous thing um we would love to hear about it and in a few weeks time we will put together the gadget show from the sunny 16 uh, Send it, if you can, to sunny16podcast at gmail.com. And uh, that's where we're sort of collecting all those ideas. So I hope nobody socially engineers us and steals them all. <laughs> Never mind. That, I think, uh, brings us to the end of the show. So the first thing I would like to do in signing off is to say thank you very, very much to Carl for joining this week. Carl, have you enjoyed yourself? Absolutely, yeah. Thank you very much for having me as well. Excellent. Where, um, just to remind our listeners, uh, where would you like them to go to see uh, your work and or, of course, uh, Shoot Film? Where can people go? Um, the Shoot Film website is www.shootfilm.uk. Um, people are more than welcome to go on there and have a browse. And if they have work that they want to be submitted uh, and shared through artist features or open calls, they can get in touch as well. Uh, there's a contacts page at the bottom of the home page for them to fill out the form to get in touch. Uh, I'd love to hear from people and hear what they think about the site and hear what they think about shooting film. 
so yeah, if anyone's listening that wants to, you know, be involved and create this this larger community, then please do get in touch. How about on Instagram and on Twitter? You're on those as well, aren't you, Carl? I think. Yes, as far as I can remember off the top of my head, the <laughs> Twitter and the Instagram are both the same. It's just uh, Shoot Film UK uh, at Shoot Film UK. Okay, so you can contact us, dear listeners, on the internet, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Flickr, email, all at Sunny16Podcast. And variously, you can get in touch with me, Graham, or if you want to stray into that strange land we call Facebook, you can now chat to Rach. How's the Facebook going, Rach? It's good. We've got a few conversations happening on there and I've uh, had a few images come through from people. So, yep, we're starting to get there. Um, it's a bit like forum land at the moment, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> okay well speaking of forum land thanks as always to chris who hosts pixelatedphotographer.com where we have uh, the longer form conversations in the forums and also thank you to chris for hosting the podcast itself Uh, lastly and definitely not leastly we like to thank Rocha every week, uh, Rachel's band who provide the music for the show. Uh, the album is called Promises I Should Have Kept, and you can find that anywhere on Amazon or iTunes. So, at the risk of not closing the show, has anybody any other business? No, you're all right. You, you can go this weekend. I promise I won't <laughs> interrupt. <laughs> All right, and on that note, folks, thank you very much for listening. Uh, We will talk to you again next week. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.